Hello, welcome to another episode of the Poet Box series. Today I will be talking with Daisy O'Day, a poet and creative director for Custodians of African Literature. Hello Daisy, welcome to another episode of the Poet Box series. Hello Aisha, it's great being here with you. It's also great having you here Daisy, it's been such a long time since we talked. It certainly has been quite a while. Great work with the podcast and everything Ayamba is doing, the events and all. Thank you. Um, so we usually have this thing where we read the guest's bio before the interview starts. So I'll read your bio now. Daisy O'Day is the author of the chapbook Fragments in a Closet, which was published in the African Poetry Book Fund. New Generation African Poets Chapbook Box Set 2019, edited by Kwame Dawes and Chris Abani. Her poems have appeared in Prairie Shuna, Lolwe, Jalada, The Ake Review, Third Edition, and others. Her essays have also appeared or are forthcoming in Popular and Al Jazeera. She writes from Abuja in Nigeria. So, when you were growing up, what kind of books did you read? When I was growing up, I think the kind of books I read changed over time. They sort of evolved. So like most of us, I started off reading um, contemporary books like you have Enid Blyton, um, Charles Dickens and co. Then at a later age, when I was a teenager, I started reading a lot of romance novels. There were the romance novels, crime. I especially used to love reading Patricia Conwell. And then I soon, sooner or later, I started evolving again. I started reading core literary books. So I think for me, reading has been a journey, a journey that's, so the kind of books I've always read has continued to change. That's quite interesting. So it kind of grew with you as, as you were growing, your taste in books started changing. I noticed that, you went from the average books that we um, were reading to romance and crime. So growing up, I also read um, a lot of romance novels, but crime wasn't really the thing. So that's quite interesting to know. So um, at what point did you start reading poetry? Was poetry something that was given to you as a child or was it something that you saved up money to go and buy? Did you discover it for yourself or... Um, was it something that you just uh, stumbled on, basically? I discovered poetry when I was developing mentally as a teenager. And one of the poems that meant a lot to me was Invictus by Williams and S. Henley. Then there's another one titled Sermons We See by Edgar Guest. Now, those two poems were my true introduction to po- to poetry. Because be, prior to that, I was introduced to a lot of complex and thick poetry and I didn't get it. I just didn't feel poetry was relatable. But when I got exposed to these other poems, I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. I didn't know that a poem could convey how I felt or what I was thinking in that way. Then as, as I started, I didn't really start exploring poetry. I just would stumble on it every now and then. But when I started writing when i became a part of a community when 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 we developed coal that's called just custodians of african literature it became necessary to equip myself 
and that was when I actually took it to I said I um, took it to the next level and decided to do it seriously. Okay, so did you always think that you were going to write poetry because you studied ma- medical um, laboratory science, right? And was it something that you felt like you were or you were going to do later on, or did you just find yourself writing poetry and performing poetry later on because you said growing up you didn't even like reading poetry you only read these two poems that you mentioned no actually i think i should correct something what i said was so those two were the most impressionable i got to read other poems a lot of other poems but um initially in secondary school when we had to study poetry it wasn't very exciting it wasn't something i looked forward to so i actually wrote it off in my mind till i started getting exposed to more relatable poems now was it something i always knew i could do or i would do professionally no but it was something i always did and i could just do it and it was something i intended to keep doing so i i just tell myself that writing is the one thing i would do whether i get paid to do it or not so and that's how i've always worked with it and so anything else that comes the good grace the the um, payment or the publishing it's all a plus it's all icing on the cake because all i just really want to do is write that's really great so we can say that your motivation for writing was just simply because you you simply wanted to write so okay so i think we are down on the when you started reading poetry when did you start writing it when is it something that you did when you were a child or is it something you did as a teenager? When did you start writing poetry? Um, I started writing poetry as a teenager, actually, but not serious poetry. And that was because I, I used to keep a diary and I didn't want anybody to know what the contents of the diary was. But so I would write it in poetry. And when anybody else would pick it up and read it, they would be like, oh, it, it, it just, I realized that with that, I could hide in plain sight and other people would read it and it would mean different things to different people. But every time I came back to it and I read it, I knew exactly why I wrote it and what it meant. I can relate so much to this because I also used to do the same thing. I would write poems and I would keep them in my book, in separate books. I never had a diary. So I would keep them in different books and nobody would know why or what they were reading sometimes because it wouldn't make any sense to them or they would just interpret it differently and i think that's that's the beauty of poetry so you mentioned something about serious poetry so um what's a serious poetry to you what do you think serious poetry is for me serious poetry was when i began writing beyond myself when i started writing with an understanding that i actually wanted somebody else to read this and get what I was trying to say. So I was writing towards communication. It was no longer about hiding. It was no longer about keeping my secrets. It was about talking to somebody else. It was about speaking. It was about having an audience. So when I started writing with that understanding, the work had to become less selfish and less personal. And it had to expand because my experiences were not the only experiences and I had to now start having empathy and looking at other people and being able to enter their own stories to be able to write about it. Okay, so we can say that serious poetry is poetry that goes beyond the self and poetry that explores 
other stories that exist with outside of the of the poet's experience and outside of the poet's being and existence so um, how important do you think these kind of poems are serious poems or can i say political poems how important do you think these poems are to us as a people in society and to humanity basically okay so i think what i was trying to really say was serious for me because it's an individual thing it's everybody defines it differently for me what i would say became serious poetry for me was now writing for an audience so that means even if i'm writing a love poem i'm no longer writing a love poem for myself alone i'm writing it because i want somebody else to be able to pick up that love poem and give it to somebody else i'm writing it because i want somebody somewhere else that will never see me to be able to read that and feel something and understand what i felt so i was no longer writing it because i wanted to um um, write something that I only I could understand, but I was now writing beyond myself for somebody else. Now, when we talk about political poetry, honestly, I I don't know because I think any poem that anybody can understand, can feel, can relate to, it's it's actually pretty serious. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the political always uh, or something or some very heavy themes. You can talk about a flower, you can talk, and it's actually just as serious. So what I'm, what it just means is it's where that poem meets the next person. And what that next person takes from that poem is what defines it. But writing a poem that is just for you and it's just for me, or that's just for me, where I was using it to just hide and keep my secrets and try to keep things away from other people, that's what the difference is. That was more like my, I would use the word play poetry. But when I started writing for others, I actually was eager to share with them. And it, it had nothing to do with the political or the severe or the extreme. Every poem that I write that I believe that, oh, I would love for Aisha to read this poem and feel what I'm feeling and think what I'm thinking and see what I'm seeing. That's my definition. That's how it is for me. So when it comes to important, it's important not in the context of a crowd, not in the context of everybody loving it, but it's important because even if it's just one person that gets it, I think one person getting it means that poem has done its work. Oh, I get it now. So um, I I do agree with you when you talk about um, writing about a theme doesn't have to be heavy for it to be political because it could be anything and then people the audience can see it as something else different from what the writer intended it to be but um do you think that poems or poets should write about things that are happening around them like things that would inspire a revolution for instance or things that would somehow um, would somehow codify the happenings or their experience or the political climate of their time so that future generations can read and understand what was happening at that particular time? Yeah, I actually think the most astute way to answer your question is to quote a friend of mine, the cipher, and he would always say, poets are the conscience of the society. 
So I think, do I think poets should speak up? Yes, it's it's almost a responsibility. But do I think all poets have to speak up? No. So I think people should, we should all just strive to write what is true. Because a poet or a writer, let's let's take it away from just saying poet now. A writer writes what he's more of like a historian. So he's documenting as things go on. So it he um he or she needs to really, really write the truth, their truth. So whatever now happens with that truth, whatever results from it is not the poet's responsibility because you can't say, okay, I'm writing this poem because I want to stay a revolution. And then what if it goes out and it doesn't stay a revolution? Then what? But you can actually write a poem that is political and that is astute and somebody and people read it and then they take it up and then it actually stays a revolution. So I think every writer should focus on writing their truth. And that is the most important thing, keeping your conscience and writing the truth, no matter how difficult it gets and understanding that it's not about um, being, I would say, um, being controversial necessarily. um, It's not about being controversial, but it's really, really the basic underlying thing is truth. And if the truth is going to cause whatever it's going to cause, then I guess the idea is so be it. Yes, it is important for writers, poets to write their truth. But do you think that this could possibly cause... Um, okay, do you think that a poet or a writer's prejudice comes in at some point? Because even as writers, as poets, people still have their prejudice. People still have their beliefs and things that... Yeah, their prejudice, their individual prejudice or their individual beliefs. Do you think that this comes true in people's writing or and on poetry or is this something that just doesn't show or doesn't come through so it's possible for um a a, a poet that is say for example a poet that's sexist to write something that is empowering to women or a poet that is racist to write something that is uh not racist is that possible you see i think the problem is not really about the poet and what they're writing but about the audience and what they're expecting so what I would say is not every poet is for every is, is for everyone. It's impossible. It's impossible really for you to write something that is satisfying that, that is actually going to satisfy everybody or that is going to be that big. So really it's you can't um those prejudice come into the work. The truth is the poets, no matter how much they create, they're still human beings, they are still people, they still have and they can only create from a place of faith, a place of believe so that means that they can only create from the place of what they they know to be and as i use that word truth what they know to be truth so it's really is about i think the um a large part the audience the audience expectation so what i believe strongly is the fact that you really don't have to read anybody can write whatever they choose really but you choose you you choose what you read, so it's everybody is not everybody's kettle of tea. Every poet is not for everybody. So I often say that look, when someone tells me that I read your work, I didn't connect with it. I I don't feel anything. I I, I don't feel bad. I don't feel horrible. And I don't start thinking, oh, I need to go and change what I'm writing, or I need to go and change. Um, 
what I talk about or I need to go and change my approach because really what I just strongly believe is this poem does not connect with this person. What I stand against, and I think it's a human, is what every human should stand with, the conscience should stand against is writing in a way that hurts other people, in a way that is actually very, very, it's, it, it, it's, it's actually, it's actually intended to hurt because that then is, it defeats the goal really of doing what you do. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, so um, when you, what made you decide to start um, Custodians of African Literature? Because you had been writing for some time. Um, what pushed you or what, what was the motivation or can I say inspiration behind Custodians of African Literature? So Custodians of African Literature, I wouldn't use the word I, that I started it, but I co-founded it. So it was, for me, my stake in it was community. I think there is nothing that grooms a writer faster than having a community because it gives you people who you can measure yourself against and people who will drive you. So the Custodians of African Literature was supposed to provide that in just it was actually myself, Andrew Patience, Jennifer Dafwat, um, Farida Adamo, and a few other young ladies that came together and kicked it off. And that was basically it. It was mainly to just create a community, to create where people could actually go to for literary stuff, writers who were aspiring. Writing can be lonely, so you need that support system and you need to know where to find it, where you can meet people people you can talk to and have like open mics where people can actually listen to you, tell you how to make your poems better. So it was a great, that was the backbone for everything we're doing. It was to create a literary presence, a home where writers could always go back to and know that they will be welcome. Okay, so uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, Custodians of African Literature um, what it's about, the activities, and things like that. So, Custodians of African Literature basically is an organization that tries to use literacy for social development in the sense that if a child, we believe that if a child can read, then a child can teach themselves anything. Activities vary from, I already mentioned the open mics, their book readings and now the book clubs that are currently being run in across various cities in Nigeria and also we have one online. So it's actually to stimulate the reading culture within Nigeria and beyond. It, there are also community development projects which are handled from time to time. About your chapbook, um... Fragments in a Closet, what inspired the poems in the chapbook? And what was the process like writing those poems? The process for this chapbook obviously was pretty boring. So I wrote those poems over a period of time. Compiling them together was what was more deliberate because it was structured around telling a story about a personal series of personal experiences. So. The poems in the chapbook were written over a couple of years at random times and 
pulling them together to now tell a single story, more like treading a needle and understanding, okay, what connects all of these poems and processing it. So that was basically the process I had to go through, knowing that this was what I was trying to write. This was where I was going to. This was the conversation I was having. Although I had done them over a long time on, and although I had done them as different individual poems. Okay, so when you knew that you had to publish a chapbook or when you got the call that meant that you, okay, you had to compile all these poems and publish them, how did you feel? How was this? How did you react to this? I think that that feeling was, it, it, it was twofold. So it was both excitement and fear. Because when you are invited to submit for the chat, the chat book, it's simply a chance. It's not a certainty that, okay, if you do this, you're going to get it. So it, I was excited. It was a big deal. Very, very excited. And I was also very afraid that, oh, what if it's not good enough? What if it doesn't go through? So that was it. It, it. it was just two extreme emotions. Okay, but when you had the book published, when what was your first reaction when you had a copy of it with you? When you could hold this book and say, okay, yes, this is my book. I have to sell it. I have to distribute it. People around the world, people everywhere can get this book and read all these poems I've written. What was... What was the feeling from that? Honestly, there are no words to describe that first feeling, that feeling when you hold your book in hard copy for the first time. It's just you, it's disbelief. So you look at it and you're like, wow, so people, somebody out there thinks these things I write, that it means something and that it's, it, it should read, it, it should reach a wider audience. So it's this belief gratitude it's a very overwhelming emotion yeah just oh i was just grateful it was it was amazing i I can't put it into words right now i just can't i can imagine how you felt it must have been amazing knowing that okay yes i created this and it's not going to be read by so many people let me go back to cole and running coal or let me say being a co the co-founder of coal um what challenges have you faced or what challenges did you and the other founders of coal face when you had to start it and what are you currently facing right now in terms of say audience organization logistics and things like that i would say one of the major challenges we faced was funding and i'm sure you are very familiar with this so it was very difficult to sustain a lot of programs because everything was being done out of pocket and it really 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 put a strain on how much we could do and how quickly we could do it and what we could achieve you we would try to curate events for raising funds and we would always find out okay when you have a free event you have a full house when you have a paid event you have um it's it's like scanty and so it was a, a real struggle 
and it, it's something I think artists and an audience, the art lovers, have to really come together and understand that for the things they love to continue being there, for those things to thrive, they need support. They need the people to also contribute something to keeping them there. It's Sometimes it's as little as just showing up for those events and paying when necessary. Sometimes it's even making a contribution when you cannot be there. It really doesn't take a lot. So those two things, those two things were our major, major challenges. The the lack of funds and the attitude of the audience when it came to having to pay for events and things that needed to be done. Okay, so... um. Knowing this and knowing that having the right mindset works or helps to um, to grow a literary organization or to write or to do anything, basically, what would your advice be to young creatives or young people who are passionate about curating talent or telling stories generally? To young writers, to young storytellers, I would basically, I would say understand that it's a marathon it's not a sprint be patient do the work be willing to do the hard work and if that if if you're willing to do that everything else will come also i would advise them to find a community and be part of something bigger than themselves to organizers and people who do stuff like what you do I would say it's not easy. It's actually very, very difficult and very challenging, but it will get easier over time. And they should put first and foremost what the initial motivation was. They have to always remember why they started in the first place, because at some point the questions will always come, why am I even doing this? Do I have to? I don't need to. I can just be doing something else with my time. So they have to keep first and foremost why they started, what what prompted that need to start up something, to do something. And that has to be what will get them through the tough days. I've definitely learned a lot from this conversation. Thank you for joining us, Daisy. I hope someone listening out there get something from this and takes back something from this because I believe that I have been impacted so much from this few minutes with you. Thank you for joining us, Daisy. Thank you, Aisha. It was a great conversation on this end too. And also keep up the good work. And that was Daisy O'Day. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Poet Box series. Make sure to tune in another time. Until next time, bye.